Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Marriage and Martinis is brought to you today by myruggable.com slash marriage. Ruggable is seriously every stylish and busy parent's dream come true because now we can have gorgeous and affordable area rugs for every room in the house. And guess what? Ruggable rugs are machine washable. Throw them in the wash, throw it in the dryer, and lay it back out like new. Even an 8x10 area rug fits in a standard washer dryer. Honestly, can I interrupt you? Uh, That's the greatest freaking part of this whole thing. We spent $1,000 to clean our old rug because it had to go through like a machine, a special machine to wash it, to clean it. This one doesn't. Nope. You just throw it in the washing machine. You sure do. That's incredible. Incredible, Adam. Yes, it is. (laughs) Wow. I'm excited. I guess you're not as excited as I am. I'm excited too. I was in a groove. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just got very excited about that. I'm so it. glad you're excited. Yes. All ruggable rugs are resistant to spills and stains, pour coffee, wine, juice, just about anything without any stress. And they're non-toxic, making them completely safe for your kids and pets. Check out their designer created styles ranging from boho chic to traditional to modern. And I have to admit, I, um, I'm really impressed with the rug that I picked out. I think it goes so perfectly and so beautifully in our family room. Yeah, it does. Yeah, right? Yeah. I did a really good job. Yeah. It's gorgeous. We're going to put pictures online this week. So uh, look on our Instagram account to see it. I'm in love with it. Uh, so go to myruggable.com slash marriage, my R-U-G-G-A-B-L-E dot com slash marriage for 15% off your order and free shipping will be automatically applied. Free shipping for a huge rug. Yeah. That those usually are really expensive to ship. So free shipping for that. 15% off and free shipping will be applied to your order. MyRuggable.com slash marriage. Hey guys, welcome to Marriage Martinis. I'm Adam. Here's Danielle. Hello. And there's a reason that we start oh. this way. What way? That I introduce us and I say, hi, I'm Adam and here's Danielle. As we'll find out when we start the podcast with Alexis, when you screw up and you say, you're Adam. <laughs> <laughs> because I wasn't, I'm not used to starting. You said, well, it's going to happen. So they'll hear Okay. It. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you didn't take it out? I Well, I took it out, but I want to put it back in. Oh, God. I think it's funny. Okay. Uh, no? I'm, I'm fine with it. Okay. I'm confident. Yeah. So this is our episode with Alexis Haynes, our last episode that we're releasing from our LA trip. Yeah. We have to go back. Uh, we have to go back. I'm ready. Yeah. We were on, this past week, we were on three podcasts as guests uh, that if anybody wants to go listen, they're all really fun. Good Moms, Bad Choices, Recovering from Reality, which is Alexis Haynes' podcast. 
and Mama Said with Jamie Lynn Siegler and Jenna Powers. Yes. So um, definitely go listen to all of those. They're all really good podcasts. And um, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. So Alexis is most known for her participation in The Bling Ring, which was 2008, when a group of friends robbed houses of Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton, Orlando Bloom, um, a few other big names, stealing more than $3 million in cash, clothing, jewelry, and other personal items. Although Alexis says she was only present for the Orlando Bloom incident. And in 2013, Sofia Coppola made a movie about it, and Alexis is portrayed by Emma Watson. Um, she was also on a reality show called Pretty Wild on the E! Network, if any of you watched that. The whole thing was just a huge public fiasco. There are memes made about it, and it's, she just it took a really long time for her to get over that um, idea of who she was for, for the entire public. She got out of jail only to go back in, and she says that the second time she went to jail was the very best day of her life. Alexis became a media sensation after her public meltdown became a viral meme. Her firsthand experience with substance abuse combined with the explosive effects of social media storytelling turned her rock bottom into a reinvention tour, igniting a movement to eradicate shame around the stories that inevitably save us if we are brave enough to share them with others. Now a doula... Mother, wife, writer, and mental health advocate, this former wild child and forever valley girl knows that whatever your struggle looks like, you are worth the journey back to wholeness. And we talked to Alexis about second chances and how powerful it can be to come back and reinvent ourselves after even the most severe mistakes in life. Her podcast, Recovering from Reality, is more than a wellness podcast from a former wild child. It's a powerful tribe of people coming together to own, share, and honor stories of healing and moving toward wholeness and I loved hearing her story and I loved hearing the second half especially yeah this was more of a story about addiction and overcoming addiction and what she did with that I think that's the awesome part of this story because of where we were where we recorded and we explained that in the episode mm -hmm. and I think that's so incredibly awesome yeah we talk all about her traumatic childhood, the day she was arrested, detoxing in jail, and how we plan on talking to our kids about our worst mistakes. I also need to say there's a trigger warning, addiction, and um, all about detoxing and everything. But more than that, it's a redemption story. And I think, you know, we tried to, to uh, concentrate more on the second half of it. But if you do feel like you'll be uncomfortable listening, then, you know, definitely stop it here but otherwise please enjoy this story and I think it's inspirational hey everyone welcome back to marriage and martinis I'm um, Danielle oh wow are <laughs> I you sure said, are you Adam <laughs> <laughs> he always starts that's why wait so try that again I want to hear you do the because uh, I'm going to try to do you I'm Danielle and that's Adam hi <laughs> is that what I usually sound like yeah <laughs> <laughs> that is what I usually sound like you're right yeah. And we are here um, with Alexis from the awesome podcast, Recovering from Reality. Hi. <laughs> you fit right you did, in. You did Thank good. You. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> and it's just such, it's, we have been in LA almost a week and it's been really an incredible experience because I personally, I, I don't know about you, Adam, but I personally feel like since we've been here, we've met the most amazing people. We've had the most incredible experiences and... I feel like I'm going back 
I don't know. I don't want to say like a changed person, but kind of. I just feel like mm-hmm. I've been so like affected by everybody who we've met. And um, when I reached out to everybody and wanted to meet up and do certain interviews, like I knew I wanted to talk to you. And there were a bunch of other people I knew I wanted to talk to. And everyone was just so – everyone has just embraced us. And Yeah, it's kind of bizarre actually. It's really like, bizarre. Why? Why yeah. let us in? Doesn't Everyone's make any sense. been super cool <laughs> and awesome. And so I'm really grateful and thank you. I think it speaks to the podcast world though. I feel like the pot you're I feel like as a podcaster, you're more inclined to be kind and to share and, and all this stuff because that's how we all grow, right? Totally. And it's definitely not like that in the modeling or like, you know, T V world. No, it's a different means. world. It is. So there's more people who are like inclined to do stuff like this. Yeah, well, like it makes me, cause, yeah, because anybody can podcast, right? So yeah. if you can kind of find your crew, find your, you know, what work, how we work together, if we all make sense together, we all just embrace each other. Mm-hmm. We can all just share each other's stories. Or like you just said, either it's modeling or acting. Or it's way more difficult to get together with a bunch of other people like we do podcasting. Yes. Yeah. And we're just here to have like a fun convo. Sure. Which is like, Absolutely. You know, it's like the equivalent of going to get coffee. Right. But podcast. <laughs> right. Bar, it's, right. It's so true. <laughs> yes. It's like, um, let's meet and just sit down. And right. <laughs> and I, I know um, a lot about you because I follow you on Instagram and everything and I listen to your podcast. But for our audience who might not know anything about your journey, and I wanted to talk today a lot about second chances because our podcast was sort of born out of second chances and Mm -hmm. our podcast um our listeners know a lot of the backgrounds of um you know we sort of had two two ways to go we could either divorce um at a certain point in our marriage and it was just a whole shit show going on in our lives or we could take that and do something with it. And thankfully, we chose the second way. So far, it's been an incredible adventure. Um, you know, hard as fuck, but really good, too. Um, and I just, I don't know. I want, if you could give a background about you and... Oh, I know. It's going to take that's like gonna 15 take, minutes. I know. And I'm I'll sorry. give, I'm going to give, I'm going to give some, um, okay. you know. Keep me on track. All right. Well, that, that's okay. That's what this is all about. So yeah. We want to yeah, hear, hear your story. <laughs> take and as I, long and, as you need. Take it. That's yeah. fine. Um, so speaking about marriage, here's a little thing for people who know me maybe, but don't. My dad's been married at least five times. We don't know the exact number because he's wow. like a serial love addict. And my mom has been married and divorced three times and is on her fifth or sixth engagement. Okay. So that just kind of, if you want to talk about what my childhood was like, it was chaotic. My mom and dad divorced when I was three years old. Um, they, my dad was a very bad alcoholic and drug addict. He was, I grew up here in Los Angeles. My mom was a model and actress. My dad was a director of photography on Friends for eight years. Hmm. And then The Nanny and all of those hit 90s sitcoms. Um, and he ended up having an affair with the PA and my mom left him. I was three and a half. Like I said, my sister was 18 months and, um, you know, my mom was this kind of like free spirited pot smoking hippie that would like take in random kids. Hence, eventually my sister Tess came into our lives permanently. And my dad was this really angry alcoholic and he was physically abusive and violent towards me as a child. 
Um, there was tons of sexual abuse and incest and trauma happening to me when I was four to seven years old. And so by the time that I was in middle school, I needed to shut it all off. It was, we had been moving house to house, city to city. There was no consistency. And I just felt completely out of control. I wasn't doing well in school. I just, I was always very anxious. I remember having, um, I read this book, the book Go Ask Alice, Mm -hmm. when I was maybe 12. And I thought for literally three years that I had AIDS, despite the fact that, like, I think it was because... I had like my first kind of like sexual encounter that was consensual at that time. And then I thought for sure, like I was going to get AIDS and like I would have all these phobias 24 seven that I was like ill or whatever it was. So that's just kind of like a broad picture of what my childhood was like growing up. And then eventually I graduated high school early and I started working in the modeling industry doing background work and um music videos so like for like Marilyn Manson and things like that with my um then half sister or adopted sister you know Tess who it was in and out of my life since I was four three three to four years old and um like I said I had already been exploring with drugs I had a surgery when I was 14 um that was the first time I tried opiates and I became fully addicted to Oxycontin when I was 15 years old. Um, and then I got sober at 19. So that kind of shows you like how fast the downward spiral was. Um, a couple of months into my like modeling and I put in quotes acting career cause like we were doing like non sag horrible, these like the worst tv shows and stuff like ever that not were not even tv shows movies that were just terrible um and we met a producer who thought that tess and i were just like a riot which we were very funny outgoing you know we love to play it up and he goes what do you think about pitching a reality show about you and your family And we were like, okay, I mean, what's the chance of that working out? One in a million, maybe? Like, the chances of getting your own reality TV show are slim to none. I've been trying. We haven't gotten one yet. Yeah, right. (laughs) I meant to talk to you about that. Somebody contacted me. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so it ended up um, working out. And we ended up um, pitching a show at the time that was called homeschooled with the Arlingtons that was back in 2009. And we pitched this show. Your mom. Yeah. My mom homeschooled us. And it was just this like really crazy, ridiculous show about, you know, us making it in Hollywood and her homeschooling my little sister. And we were, we were like the alternative. Here's the thing is like, Back when I grew up, my mom, like I said, was this really free-spirited, pot-smoking hippie chick who had life-size Buddhas in our houses and did yoga every day. And I grew up in a suburb where, like, that was not cool. Like, kids were not allowed to come to my house because it always smelled like sage and incense. And this was before, like, the New Age thought movement came into mm-hmm. L.A. And now everybody's, yeah. you know, got their prayer I saw, their I saw prayer that quote online on. that you, you were yes. talking about this. Like, it How was ironic it before is. Before it was cool. 
And so I think that they really liked that. They saw that as like, we're like the alternative Kardashians, you know what I mean? Where we do, we pray and do our affirmations and all of this stuff. And there's lots of clips of that in the show. And then on the second day of filming, um, I was arrested. And a little bit of backstory about that. Everybody or a lot of people know the bling ring. Mm. And um, Nick Prugo and Rachel Lee had been robbing houses for, I don't know, six to nine months before I met them. And I met Nick. And um, he was this really, I just, I, I, he, I feel like when you're like a lost kid, you attract, <clears throat> excuse me, other lost kids. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So he was kind of this lost kid and Tess knew him um, before I did. And what ended up happening was we met in March and in um, late June, early July, Tess got kicked out of my mom's house because she was just defiant and <laughs> a real pain in the ass. And so I said, well, if Tess is going that I'm going to. And so we, you know, ended up moving into Nick's house for a couple of weeks. Um, it only lasted three days for Tess before she moved out and went and stayed with one of her boyfriends <laughs> and left me there. And I was pissed about it. And so um, fast forward, you know, the burglary at Orlando Bloom's house transpires. That night I called my boyfriend and was like, I can't be here anymore. Like, this is bad news. And I was no, like, I talk about this often. I was certainly no Mother Teresa. I was panhandling on the street for drugs, stealing money from my parents, all the things that, like, we do as drug addicts. But I'm no, like, criminal mastermind that's, like, planning on, like, robbing somebody's house. You were a lost house. kid. I was a lost kid. Yeah. And so, and I was 18 years old at that point. And um, a couple months later, so Nick keeps robbing houses and all of these surveillance videos start coming out and I start calling the cops. So when the cops showed up at my house a month and a half later, I just thought, even though it was like a SWAT team that showed up, I was like, they're just here to ask me questions about like why I've been calling the cops. And they weren't. They were there to arrest me and they did. And then I went on um, to basically fight my case publicly on a reality show as an 18 year old high and addicted that was to heroin pretty wild. and that was pretty wild yeah it was literally pretty wild yeah <laughs> so 18 years old uh, addicted to heroin fighting you know for a serious case that i could have ended up with like six years in prison for wow yeah I ended up taking a plea deal um, just based off of the advice of my attorney a couple of days before we were going to trial because of a number of things that were sketchy that was happening between like the lead detective in the case and the fact that I was addicted to drugs. Mm. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me because mm -hmm. I went to jail. So here we go with second chances, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it was the best thing. I went and I spent a summer in con, um, solitary confinement and the LA Was that County. because you were such a public figure? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is brutal because you're in there with like the criminally insane and people fighting like murder charges. Mm -hmm. um, I can't even imagine how scary <laughs> that must have been. That must have been, Yeah. I mean, especially as a, as an 18-year-old. You know, I was who, 19 then, but yeah. Or 19, yeah, that I just, in my mind, it just seems like, the scariest stuff, but enduring it, you say that you detoxed in jail. 
um, mm-hmm. which was probably a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, because that anywhere, detoxing anywhere, when someone, when you have 15 people taking care of you, detox is still a nightmare. Yeah. And here you are with nobody taking care of you. Yeah. Anyone who follows us on Instagram, and by us, I mean anyone who follows me on Instagram. <laughs> well, I follow us on Instagram. I'm <laughs> right. the one who reads. I don't, yeah, I I know. don't know anything else. I know. You stalk, you stalk us on I'm Instagram. I'm a stalker. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we post pictures of the cute pictures of you and Jonah sitting on his bed doing the loom journal and how gorgeous loom journals are. And I was did you post that? I did post it. I never. I, I'm a stalker. I didn't even see that. Yeah, you oh. skipped right over it, uh-huh. huh? I was so excited when I saw how excited our community got when I posted pictures, and they were like, "Oh my god, those are gorgeous!" And I posted pictures of all the amazing questions. Well, not all the amazing questions, but some of the amazing questions and activities that this journal offers to parents to connect with our kids in a way that we can't really do with verbal conversation. Each of our kids has the journal in their favorite color, and I'm so excited to have these beautiful and insightful heirlooms for when we're done filling them out together for the rest of their lives. They're going to have these, and they can even pass them down. The Loom Journal provides off-screen fun and connections, and studies show that writing with a pen and paper uses a part of the brain that texting and typing just don't. The Loom Journal is not just a place to record memories and milestones. It's a connection experience for parents and children. The Loom Journal contains the research-backed practices of gratitude, affirmations, and the growth mindset. There are activities and prompts throughout the entire thing. There's also, uh, they're just gorgeous and they're perfectly bound so it lays flat when you write. They have archival paper that will last for years to come and there's a modern timeless design. So head to loomjournals.com and when you put in promo code MNM, you get an exclusive exclusive just for marriage of martinis just us just us baby wow 20 percent off for our listeners loomjournals.com promo code mnm for 20 percent off this amazing gorgeous experience we've spoken a few times about care of's online quiz and how fun it is it is fun it is fun and you fill it out you get 100 percent every time <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite part yeah, exactly. and it lets you know exactly what your needs are You take a short, fun, five-minute quiz and answer easy questions about your diet, lifestyle, and health needs. You'll get a research-backed recommendation with the vitamins, supplements, and or protein powders you need based on your completely personalized quiz results. It's like your personal daily power pack. Yeah. I love it. I love that. And it comes in that cute little package with your name with on it. With your name on it. With it's your name on it. That's right. Yep. Um, and fall is a great time to set some new goals, get back into a healthy routine, and reprioritize yourself. As the kids are going back to school and getting back into their routine, you should get back into the swing of self-care. Also, if you have a child in college and you're concerned that they're not getting enough of their vitamins and everything, and who knows what they're eating at 2 o'clock in the morning, make wellness a part of this semester's goals by having Care Of delivered straight to them. So if you head to TakeCareOf.com and put in promo code MNM, you get 25% off your first Care Of order. And it's easy to see... um, where they source their ingredients from, and ensure only the highest quality products. So there's no questions about the high quality. Care of cares about the environment too. 
there was all that climate change march and stuff this past week. I know, I saw that. Yep. So they care about the environment with their new compostable packs that meet the same quality and safety standards, and they have a ton of info on how to compost them on their website if you're worried about all of that. There's also vegan and vegetarian supplement options available to match your dietary needs and ensure you're getting the nutrients you need for those specific diets. So again, head to TakeCareOf.com, enter promo code MNM for 25% off your first Care Of order. Well, also, um, like you just said, that must have been the scariest. I mean, you can't even imagine. People like us, you can't imagine what it's like to have to go to jail, right? But when you were... You were on drugs, like you were high all the time, like you were just saying. How what? How what's it going on in your mind when you when you're told you're going to jail? Like, are you thinking rationally? Are you thinking, you know, as people who we haven't been on drugs, we don't yeah. do drugs, you know, anything like that. So we don't know what it's like in the mind. Maybe you know. Yeah. Do you think differently? Do you think? Yeah, I think that. Um, I think I was really naive. I think that I was. I think that I was just done. Like, I think at that point I was just so done and it was, it was scary and traumatic. I almost feel like I've shut down that part of my story because it was so traumatic. I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, and I did know that I was going to withdraw. So I started tapering down my use a Bit, but I didn't realize that the other I thought I knew what withdrawal felt like from opiates because I tried to kick them before and it was so brutal that I ended up just calling my dealer like 12 hours later and was like I can't I can't do this I need drugs and so um what eventually so I tapered myself from that but I didn't taper myself from like the Xanax and mm. the other things mm-hmm. that I was consuming too so mm. Um, the detox was absolutely brutal. Um, and I left there knowing, you know, I didn't have a family that was like involved in AA. No one had gone to rehab before. (laughs) No one had even taken a look at like their own personal psychodramas and all of the problems that they had. So I was kind of, you know, left to figure this thing out on my own. And when I came out, I was like, oh, okay. So I spent that summer in there and I got out and I was like, okay, well, clearly, like, heroin is a problem for me, but, like, alcohol and weed aren't because I was very capable of consuming a glass of wine at dinner and not having any issues. Um, And then what happened was that very first night that I got out, I went and got blackout drunk um, Mm -hmm. because obviously my system was all cleared out and I didn't realize, you know, what a tolerance I had built up. And I got into like a physical fight with somebody and I went back to my apartment and I got into the shower and I remember just sitting there crying for like six hours. Mm -hmm. Like the water was like ice cold and I was like, what? And I sobered up in the shower and I remember like shaving because like you don't shave when you're in jail because they only give you like single blade razors that suck. And so I remember just like shaving my whole body and and knowing that I was clean but feeling so dirty. Mm. And that was horrible. And the amount of shame that I had, I talk a lot about shame and the way that it cripples us. The amount of shame that I had about my past 
haunted me. Like mm-hmm. it was like a dark shadow following me everywhere. And so it was only a matter of time before I was back, you know, with a needle in my arm mm-hmm. shooting up because alcohol for me doesn't numb the emotional pain. Weed doesn't numb the emotional pain. I need to be like fully knotted out loaded you know back with my like what i considered my family which were really just my drug dealer and my like using buddies because i had nothing Mm. yeah so you know uh, within a couple months i was back in jail i lost everything was back to panhandling considering stripping um 19 years old and i just couldn't get my ass to probation like my days were spent like literally just trying to find money for drugs and getting my fix and that was it and so December 1st 2010 the cops showed up at my house again and um it was weird they showed up to my mom's house and I was living in this like tiny studio in Burbank so for whatever reason they like just thought to go there instead of to my apartment and arrested me and and the rest is history like eight years later here I am you know Mm. married two kids yeah that's (laughs) and that's the part I want to concentrate on because I know you have all this history and we have all this history and people have history that they don't talk about I mean uh, so many people have done things that either they haven't gotten caught for or you know they haven't admitted to or I'm not saying everybody does but people have you know we all we have like like ghosts in our closet everybody has skeletons you know some kind yeah. of skeletons and everything but I think the thing that's so awesome about podcasting and I think for us what it's done for us and I I from listening to your podcast also what what I think it's done for you is we are then we we take control of telling our story you know and and the way um, we tell it. And, and I think that now that we have revealed just about every thing that's happened to us and everything that we've done and what we've gone through financially and with betrayal and with, um, you know, uh, gambling stuff and everything like that, once it's all out there and you walk around and you're sort of like- Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Like, there's nothing anybody can say about me because I have said it myself and it's out there. Yeah. You know, and that is the that is like the most liberating, freeing feeling when you are the one who, you know, is the one who puts it out there and and also what you do with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part for me when I look at your story and everything that you've done and I'm sort of like she she had more than one option she could have you know stayed I could have died you could have died or you myself could have gone yeah. you know back into uh, you know into jail again yeah. and you, you know it's cyclical and I think that once you start going down a certain path it's really hard to get off that path like yeah I think we were going down a really bad path for a long time I think especially Adam 
And I think you, I think you just kept going further and further down it because you were like, I'm already down. There's, uh, there's no way to get myself out of it. Yeah. It, I guess it, it snowballs, right? Like yeah. you, you can definitely understand yeah. um, where you get into a pattern, you get into a habit and you, you realize, well, I'm, I'm not really doing something that bad, mm-hmm. right? Either to myself or to somebody else. That's, that's what's going on inside your mind. Whether it's true or not, yeah. that doesn't matter. And it gets worse and worse. The snowball gets bigger and bigger where, well, now, now I'm not doing something that's so bad. You know, and you, it just keeps going. Yeah. And, you, and you rationalize it. You, you think to yourself, it's not so bad. So let me just keep going the way I'm going because I'm still living my life. I'm still doing my thing. I'm still, you know, I, I still work. I still have a family. I still, you know, I haven't done anything to blow, you know, that away. But it's happening slowly. Yeah. And it's getting to that point where yeah. we reach that point, you yeah. know, where Danielle, you know, Danielle was like, okay, it's now or never like yeah. this. Mm-hmm. It has to go. It has to stop. And know? it sounds like that's kind of what happened to you, that it was sort of at a certain point you were sort of like, it's now or never. Yeah. What was your point that you hit and you said, okay. There's been many, like I always say to people, you don't necessarily like, obviously I had a really big bottom, but like, you don't have to have this like big grandiose bottom to go like, oh my God, what have I done to my life? And so it was a really simple thing. Like I was 19 in jail for the second time. I was facing up to six years in prison because what they, what happens is you get a suspended sentence. So they'll give you six months if you take a plea deal, but if you fuck up, you're going to get like the max amount of time for your sentence. Okay. So the DA is arguing for that. And my attorney was like, listen, because I was still trying to blame the drugs on my sister, my little sister, my 15 year old sister, you know, that it's like hers and not mine, even though they found it in my wallet. I was just such like, I just had no, like your moral compass, I, my was, moral like compass off. Yeah. was just done. Like there was no, like, that's mm-hmm. the thing with shame is like, eventually you just have so much of it that you just say, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, right. fuck it, fuck it. I'm going to do whatever I want. Fuck it. And so what happened was my attorney just like very, he just looked right at my face and he was like, are you ready to take responsibility for your life? I had no, that felt daunting to me. I had no idea what that meant. And I said, well, what does that look like? He goes, you're going to go out there in front of all the news crews and all this stuff. And you're going to say, I'm a heroin addict and I can't stop. And you can send me to jail, but I'm just going to come out meaner and harder than I already am. Like my shell is going to be all built up and I'm never going to get better. Or can you please give me a second shot at this and send me to rehab? And I'm going to dedicate like this next year to really like getting my act together. And many, it was funny because it was kind of at this this beginning movement here in LA, like now we have mental health diversion in the jails here and we also have substance abuse diversion. And so it was kind of at the beginning of that time period for Los Angeles. Um, and the DA was fighting hard for me to go to prison. And, um, the judge was like, no, I'm going to give you a second chance. And so you would think like I would be so grateful but I wasn't because I was still in just such a place of ego. And then I ended up hitting like a very, uh, like a very deep, like emotional bottom a couple months into treatment where I just realized like, I'm, this isn't going to be successful unless I do the work and stop fighting everybody. Mm. And there was a man in the treatment center. So it was kind of like a combination of things. It was like what my attorney said. And then this man in the treatment center, we, we were doing like a, a group big book study and I was fighting because that's the thing about being 
smart and like a little shit is that like you can talk your way out of anything and that's very much so how I was back then so I'm arguing like I'm just opiate dependent and I've been hooked on them since I was 14 because I had a surgery and you guys don't know me and yada 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 and all my own psychoanalysis of myself and then the guy just looks at me and he goes stop nobody tries heroin unless they're a pro- they have a problem like a normal person doesn't just like walk around and go oh, I think I'm gonna try heroin today like that's not normal and so that kind of like clicked for me and I was like oh okay mm-hmm. and so it was kind of like these moments of clarity that came along the way I really think that and I just, I tell people so often, if you're new in recovery, just hold on for dear life for the first six months because then the fog starts clearing. You can kind of like see the path and, and you get like a little bit more hopeful and a little bit more drive and things start falling into place. And so that really started happening for me. I found an amazing sponsor. I started working the steps. I built a really big community around me that felt like a family because at this point my family was still completely dysfunctional. And so I started doing all these things and it felt good. I was Mm. like, oh, this feels good to have like real authentic friendships. And it feels good to be able to tell these people about like the traumas that I've incurred and, and then you go like in the that. opposite direction from down because the more hope you see yeah the more you can go in the opposite yes. direction and then regards to what you were saying before about owning your own story so with my community of people in recovery I was very open and transparent about my story And then when my husband and I bought our house, I was just telling you guys we live in this very like kind of Stepford community. I was afraid of anybody finding out my story, especially when my daughter started kindergarten last year. I didn't want her to be ostracized or hurt in any way because of my past. And so I was very secretive about all of the stuff. You know, I would just tell people like, I don't drink because I've got you know, IBS, which I do. So I would just say like whatever health thing that I had. And I know I wasn't really being authentic. And then, um, but I knew people like eventually started to figure it out. And that process was really painful for me. And thankfully I found Brene Brown and all Mm. of these amazing teachers that started talking about vulnerability and the power of vulnerability. I started working with the spiritual coach And I started to remove like the layers, the hard shell that I had built up. And what I found was that um, while I certainly don't have more friends (laughs) that and that's fine. That's not they're not my tribe. They're not my group. You know, they can't get behind it. That's one of the beautiful things about hitting these points is that. You strip away the yep, layers of, of all the bullshit. Yes. All they, and they can do them and I'm going to do me. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was that my relationship with myself and the way that I felt about where I stood in the world felt really good. Mm. I, I started to like acknowledge my accomplishments and to realize like, wow, like I'm a fucking badass person to have made it through all of this, to be so transparent about it, to be vulnerable about it. And then that's when I started dreaming up recovering from reality, which is more than a podcast. It's going to be a book coming out December 3rd. It's going to be um, eventually like retreats and things like that. And I started to develop this new baby, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of so it was really in my six 
and seventh year in sobriety that I began dropping the shame, which is a really painful process. I don't think people realize that. I think that they think, oh, if you're more vulnerable, you'll just feel more free. But it's like, no, because you're exposed. It's like a raw nerve that you're exposing to anybody and everyone. You know, it's just like you're opening yourself up for all of this potential heat and you don't know where things are going to go. But as you start doing more and more and more of the shame work, then you realize you become like a duck and everything just falls right off. We've said that if Amazon Prime and Tiffany's had a baby, it would be Noemi, the jewelry company. Their pieces are so soft yet powerful and I'm obsessed with their elephant collection. I've said it before. They're so gorgeous and they're a signature motif that brings luck, happiness, honor, and strength whenever they're worn. There's also the Love Your City and Love Your Mama collections. So many unique pieces that you're going to go out and it's not going to be where everybody else is wearing the same thing. People are going to see yours and be like, oh my God, that's so different and I love it. But they're also not overwhelmed and they're just they're great I'm always trying to buy from companies who are doing good things and helping to shift the way we do things in a more ethical level and if I can buy from a company that's creating beautiful products and also doing it in a way that's admirable and fair then that's just what I'm going to do and that is exactly what Noemi is doing they're combining a legacy of craftsmanship with modern materials reclaimed 18 karat gold conflict free stones that's huge conflict free stones and lab grown diamonds the choice is in your hands. People are starting to recognize the amazing opportunities that Noemi offers in the world of jewelry. And Forbes said, one of the best parts about shopping through Noemi's website is right below their price. They share what you would have paid if you were to shop a traditional retail route. On average, Noemi saves customers around 60% compared to full fare, and their pieces are gorgeous. Shipping is overnight for free, so you can try it on and have up to 60 days and return for a free and full refund. Can't you even get a ring engraved yeah, and, and return, return it? it. Yeah. Uh-huh, you can. That's crazy. I know. So head to hellonoemi.com and use promo code MNM to get $75 off any item on their site. So hello Noemi. N-O-E-M-I-E dot com M-N-M for $75 off anything on their site. Yeah, and I think it's important for people to hear these stories a lot because I think even if you don't have a story like this on your own, you can sort of think to yourself, wait a minute, I can, as like as someone who's listening to this story or as someone who could be supportive, you have two options also as the person who's who's like who's hearing the story. You could number one judge. Yeah. You know, and which is very easy to do. Oh, I would never do that. So therefore, you know, when we only get bits and pieces of a story usually, mm. um, so you can judge, or you can be the type of person who's like, you know what? I I see that this person is trying to change and trying to do something different with their life, and I'm gonna help pull them up and I'm going to embrace them. And I just feel like the more of us who tell our stories, the more people who I think will be like, you know what? I see that it's, it's not so shameful that people need to, we need to be there for each other and we need to be the one who's going to say, you know what? You want to go get a cup of coffee instead of, ugh, I'm not, I don't want to, you know, go and be around. Like, I just feel like let's, let's stop all the bullshit judging and let's just 
go in the other direction. Well, also with the encouragement, we're able to do things like she's doing with now helping other people, yes. now helping everybody else get through what you've gone through. Yes. And you know how to do it because you've been there. And, yeah. and now you're recovered from it and you can show other people. So you need people to lift you up to help, you know, better your inspiration in your mind and, and, and get you pumped about doing these things to help everybody else. Yeah. Well, and we have been, my husband started, um, Aloe House. And you met your husband in AA. AA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we met in AA. And, um, we've been doing this all along. When I was in treatment, I went to school to become a drug and alcohol counselor. So we've been actively helping people from day one. I just thought, you know, in this day and age, I would argue that most people are addicted to something, but everybody knows someone that's addicted to something. Like most people are addicted to either their cell phones or working out or sex and or love or work or drugs or alcohol or whatever it, or gambling, whatever it might be. Because the gift of technology is, is it's a double-edged sword. And because we are now so hyper aware of the amount of trauma and, and just the brutal world that we live in, more and more people don't have the tools to actually deal with that, that those feelings. Mm. We don't give our children the tools to deal with their feelings. Um, and, and when I talk about parenting, um, I talk a lot about like how my husband and I are actively breaking the cycle. So there's, um, you know, he grew up in a household where there was, you know, a lot of trauma too. So we actively work hard to, you know, provide our children with a non-traumatic childhood, Mm Um, but back in the day when we were kids growing up, like spanking was readily is used a lot or, you know, telling boys to like man up and grow some balls and whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that type of language was really Don't prevalent. Don't be a crybaby. Don't be a crybaby. And, um, and I think a lot of that is still happening today because it's like you have two parents who have to work who are usually really overstressed out. And then when they their kids come home and they've had a hard day at school or they're emotional or they're throwing tantrums or whatever, it's like, ah, I don't have time to like deal with this. And so, so many people, and I feel like why we have so many dysfunctional adults is because like we weren't actually given tools to like deal, to first say like, I have feelings that are, that are more than just like happy or content because that's what we're told in the society is the only thing that's okay. I have bigger, broader feelings and I'm expressing these feelings and I don't know how to express them in a healthy way. And so we need parents to teach us how to do that. And so, so many people didn't have that. They still don't have that. And, um, so everybody's using some sort of coping mechanism. And so whether they want to like own up to it or not, I have, I know so I have so many relationships with people that I really love. And I'm like, I know that the way you drink is dysfunctional mm-hmm. and it's not healthy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's for them to, you know, figure out, figure out. Yeah. But I would argue that, yeah, like most people are either addicted to something or know someone that's addicted to something. And until we start breaking down these stereotypes and seeing addiction for what it is, which is not a behavioral issue, but a trauma issue will never, you know, move forward and we'll continue to have more and more overdoses every year. Mm. I think now it's, it's more than gun deaths and 
car accidents combined, mm. the amount of people wow. that die from um, overdoses in this country. Mm. So. You're talking about parenting, and one thing that we get with the podcast because we've revealed, you know, so many um, like ridiculously intimate things um, is sometimes people will say to us, "What are you going to do one day if your kids listen?" Or what are you mm. going to tell your kids? Or and and my answer is, you know, is sort of um, and, and our kids have seen certain things that have happened or they've heard us talking or, you know, and they've said, is that true? Did that really happen? Did dad really do that? Or did you guys really, you know, did this really happen? And I always say, yes, I'm, you know, and then we, we talk about it and they see us actively. I mean, <clears throat> actively, actively working on ourselves and working on our marriage and everything. And um, and I I don't want them to think that there's no struggle and I don't want them to think that you, you if you make mistakes then you know you you hide it and it's shameful and and I know that there are a lot of listeners we have a very vulnerable and open audience like we have an amazing community and I think one of the big questions is you know how do we deal with our, our, our the the fact that one day our kids are, are probably going to find this stuff out. And yeah. I'm sure you've thought about that. You have two girls and, you know, and you're an open person and everything. And we have three kids. So what advice do you have about that? So I am um, absolutely against the friend parent thing. <laughs> I don't, I think that that's, I think kids deserve to be kids for as long as possible. And, you know, and it's, very hard in this day and age with social media and all of these kids having cell phones so early and having access to the internet and all of these things. I guess first and foremost, my kids grew up in the treatment center. They grew up going to daddy's work, which is the rehab, (laughs) you know, like my six year old now knows she knows what addicts are she knows what drug addiction is she knows that mommy and daddy are in recovery right and we wear that with a badge of pride in our household Mm -hmm. you know and she also knows from family members that come and visit like why do they act so weird when they consume alcohol not consume but drink alcohol or have that drink or that red juice or whatever the family member ended up calling and we have these discussions in an age appropriate way. And I don't I don't believe I don't believe in keeping secrets from your kids and I like what you were saying about you know we want our kids to see us working on our marriage because I feel like the reason why so many marriages fail is because of two things. A lot of people are broken and then they come together thinking the other person's going to fix them and then they're two broken people together and then what happens they end up getting divorced and the other thing is that we all just pretend that we live these perfect lives and it's not true and so and social media is um, not helping and it's not helping and i do my best on mine to like you might see all these pretty pictures but in the actual text you'll read like the struggle that i'm going through or the thing that i'm thinking about or whatever it might be towards like self-improvement or enlightenment or change or whatever i think um, I don't think it's going to be easy by any mm-hmm. means. Um, she knows, she asked me the other day, is mommy famous? Mm. She's smart, you know, and these conversations aren't going to be easy to have by any means, but, um, I believe that, um, we're just, we're just going to have to take it like moment by moment, but 
I want I want our kids to see the struggle and to see the the challenges and that you can overcome them because that's building resilience right in this world where everybody is um so hypersensitive and hypersensitive because there's so one trauma after another after another after another and nobody can keep up and so everyone becomes hyper aware and hypersensitive and it's like okay so i i want to i want to raise children who are loving and kind and inclusive but also resilient you know who are tapped into their feelings who know that it's okay to be sad who know that it's okay to have setbacks who know that that they have everything that they need inside them already to get through it that they just you know Mm -hmm. need to reach out for help when they need it and things like that but it's it's definitely not None of these conversations are easy. No, no, no. I think especially because of social media, it's really important to talk to your kids about this stuff Mm -hmm. because when you go on social media, all you see is the best, you know, the family's on vacations, the family's doing this on Sunday, the kids having fun, you know, that's, that's what you see. That's a hundred percent of what you see. If you know, when you're looking through scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, right. So you think, so as maybe as a child, you think life is perfect. Like why, why, why don't we go out every weekend and go to the park or go wherever? And they don't know that these other families have hard times too. And uh, mm-hmm. what those are, you know, we don't know either, but obviously, you know, nobody's perfect. Everybody's got issues. So it's good to talk to the kids to let them know what you're seeing on social media is not accurate. Mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing that one fun thing they're doing out of the hundred maybe issues they're having, you know, whatever the number is, I don't know what it is, but yeah. that's why I think it's so important to talk to your kids about the realities of marriage and life and, you know, what happens behind closed doors. Yeah, the struggles, you know, and that we can have these dialogues. Like if I snap at one of my daughters, I'm always quick to do the repair, right? And oh my god, you yell at your daughter? I yell. Wow, I'm a crazy mom. I know. Um, We all have our. We all. Nobody's a perfect parent, um, and we don't strive. He's saying that because I scream. Uh, That's okay. I lose my mind. I lose lose my mind a lot. I go from zero to ten in. No, you don't. You You start at ten. I start at (laughs) ten, and then you go to sixty, and then I go to Uh, (laughs) sixty. Yes, and so the repair, right? And what's funny is that, like, my daughter now knows that she, like, if she has an emotional outburst, she can make a repair. So if she has a big fit in Target from whatever, usually she's had too much sugar and she's tired and whatever, she's six. We'll get in the car, she'll have calmed down, and she'll look at me and she'll go, Mom, I'm sorry. I'm clearly very tired. <laughs> right. <laughs> so she's starting to copy yes. the yeah. you know, the the cleanup, right? right? And it's like as parents, if we can make the repair, yeah, you know. Yeah, and if they don't see, we're always saying, you know, we want to we want to teach empathy and we want to teach kindness, and and you know sometimes that that teaching comes with showing them that the opposite exists. Yes, you know, and how do you learn? You know, you you how do you learn empathy unless you are put in a situation where you see someone with whom you need to be empathetic? Yeah, you know, so it's sort of like by shielding them from all of this stuff, then. What, well, then how are they going to learn these traits that we keep saying we want to teach them? Absolutely. You know, and um, and I think about forgiveness and all of that stuff. And, you know, I think about um, are, are my kids going to ask, you know, do I forgive Adam? Or people always ask, do, I, do we forgive mm-hmm. each other? Do we, you know, um, I'm sure you're going to be asked if you, you know, forgive your family and forgive. And, I, and my whole thing is sort of like, 
I I think people throw around the term forgiveness a lot. And I think we're constantly forgiving each other and constantly, um, you know, having to think about things like on a daily basis that there might be a day when I don't forgive and there and that's okay. And, you know, and there there might be a week when I don't forgive or, or something, but but we're moving forward and we're and we're trying to make the best of things and never go back to the place that we were. And that's how you prove, um, you know, that you're that you're that you're that you've come out of it, that you've come far yeah. is to keep moving forward. And I think that's what we're constantly trying to do and to show our kids. And the further we are from that spot that we were, the more work that they see that we've done. And like for you, you know. I think one thing that's so incredible is that not only did you dig yourself out of a hole, but you brought a ton of people with you and, you know, and you're actively doing that and you're actively, and I think that's incredible. And I think that that's the part of the story that the people, that everyone needs to concentrate on, you know, that that's the part of everybody's story that we need to, I mean, think about all the great art, all the great literature, all of the great everything, you know, think about Glennon Doyle and Cheryl Strait and all these people who have had these incredible stories and, you know, and we wouldn't have those stories had they not come forward. We wouldn't have those stories had they not hit the bottoms that they hit and everything. And so I don't, I just think that I think, you're doing an incredible job and I'm like super impressed. Not that I'm anybody to be super impressed, but, well, I but I am. And um, yeah, and I had, I, I read something really cool that I wanted to read before okay. we kind of wrap it up um, that says, if you're experiencing fear, failure, and frustration, you're experiencing powerful energy. Use that energy and direct it towards creation, not destruction. Change happens when we see no other option, when we're uncomfortable in our comfort zone. When the pain of staying where we are is greater than that of change. And I think that's what happened with us. The pain of just being where we were was greater than whatever it was going to take to pull us out of it. Um, And remember, out of limitation comes creativity. Out of frustration comes inspiration. Out of desperation comes new beginnings. As they say, rock bottom has built more heroes than privilege. Yeah. So I don't know. I really liked that. Well, amen to that. Was that a quote? Uh, yeah, but you I don't know whose say, it is. No, oh. I don't know whose it is. I read it, um, and I couldn't find where it was from. But right. I really liked it, and I had to read it. If we find it, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. But I don't know who said it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but thank you so much Thanks for coming for on. Tell everybody me. where they can find you because there's so much more to your story, and there's oh, so much more to what you're doing. And we just hit the tip of the iceberg, and I want I would like everybody to go and find out the rest. Um, well, you can visit us online at recoveringfromreality.com. If you want to follow me personally on Instagram, you can at, um, at it's Alexis Haynes or at recovering from reality on Instagram. That's all. Thank you so much, Alexis. Thanks, Thanks so for much. having us here. You're awesome. Very inspirational. Thank you so much.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.